Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reinald Show, we talk about management of recurring ankle sprains. The Ask Mike Reinald Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free online course on the introduction to performance therapy and training. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody. The latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. We're here answering your questions. Anything you guys want to ask us, you want to talk about, please ask away. Go to MikeReynolds.com, click on that podcast link, and fill out the form to ask us a question. We're here to help, so keep them coming. Uh, I'm joined by my crew, champion PT and performance. We got Dave Tilly, Mike Scaduto, Dan Pope, Lenny McCrina, Lisa Russell. Again, here answering your questions. Len, would you like to um, introduce um, our man, Lotion? Yeah, Mike, Mike Scaduto just returned from the bathroom. Welcome back, Mike. Oh, sorry. Uh, you mean our, 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 our student. Yes, we have one student uh, right now. Uh, very unusual that we have just one student, but that's going to change soon, people. Uh, but you may not see that person for a while. Um, uh, we have Trevor Claridge from Belmont University. Um, his new nickname that we gave him a few weeks ago on the podcast, I believe at this point, is uh, The Lotion. So um, if you watch that episode from a couple weeks ago and you'll figure out why we call him the lotion. Maybe we need it. Maybe we need to expand. Maybe it needs to be Trevor put the lotion in the basket. Clarige. Clarige. I'm going to, I'm going to intentionally call it Clarige. Is that pretty good? Again, we're old. Nobody knows what like, silence of the yeah, lambs is. Nobody, nobody's seen that movie. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, like raise a hands right now. Who's seen that movie? Yeah. Okay. There we go. All right. Thanks. All right. Okay. Okay. Good. All right. I was gonna say. Perfect. All right. Just check it. All right. Perfect. All right. What do we got? T Bone. <laughs> I'm gonna change the nickname. What do we got? What do we got, Trevor? So Josh from Boston. Uh, I recently evaluated a patient with an inversion ankle sprain, as well as subluxing perineal tendons with resisted eversion dorsiflexion. How do you manage young, active patients with recurrent ankle sprains, and does your plan of care change if a subluxation is present? Uh, that's a good question. I like how you threw the curveball with them. Resisting eversion has a uh, active um, uh, subluxation of the perineal tendon. That stinks. Yeah. Uh, that's we're that's not interesting. Considering surgery. They, 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 <laughs> yeah. Much of, they ruptured the retinaculum. I would. I would assume. Exactly. Yeah. This sounds like a surgical candidate. I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. In my experience, if somebody's got that presentation, it's that gross where you can just uh, sublux the tendons by resisting. Um, we're, we're setting this person up, especially a young person. We're setting them up for fail for a while. Uh, I, I would, uh, I would, I actually uh, have that. I have that myself. Sometimes my, my perineals will slide forward, I guess, over the, uh, malleolus there. And it doesn't feel terrible. It feels weird. My ankle like locks up sometimes, but I definitely have a history of ankle <laughs> sprains. Um, we're we're going to need to see proof of this at some point. <laughs> I, could, I could probably, I could probably do it right now if I tried. 
It's like, a, but anyway, please don't. I feel like yeah. you're at home. It's not technically workers comp, I guess, but let's not, let's not do oh, that. We're not on the clock. <laughs> <laughs> you're giving back to the profession right now, Mike. Uh, uh, so I think that's a good point. Like, we, so we have people with like subluxing, like ECUs in the wrist, subluxing ulnar nerves. Like I know that's different from a tendon, like in the elbow. I, I do wonder though. I mean, I mean, our ankle is so important to our life, right? Like with like gait, like I figure, you know, I feel like your hand, you can stabilize a little bit better sometimes. Like, um, I don't know. I mean, that's interesting. I, I would assume the subluxation isn't um, irritable and isn't gigantic, right? So maybe it's just like a mild like version of that and it's still kind of working a little bit. Uh, but yeah, that's that's an interesting point. Um, let's take a step back and just talk about recurring ankle sprains in general, because I think the real goal here would be is if we treat this as a recurring ankle sprain, I wonder if that helps the perineal tendons. I wonder if the retinacular tissue scars down a little bit and helps kind of stabilize that if we just work on that but who wants to kick this one off <laughs> pun intended who wants to kick this one off talking about uh chronic recurring ankle subluxation uh not <laughs> that's terrible uh, the ankle inversion sprain. Sprain. yeah inversion sprains which is like super common but mike you, what, what do you think yeah, I think from a from a again a diagnostic specificity uh, standpoint, I think you want to get an idea of which ligaments are involved in the ankle. Obviously, with an inversion plantar flexion uh, sprain, the ATFL would be the most commonly involved. But then sometimes it can wrap around posteriorly uh, around the ankle, so you, you can have calcaneal fibrial ligament, you can have PTFL, um, and then if they're having any pain or symptoms medially, that can give you an idea of the severity of the of the sprain. So just the general rule of thumb is the more ligaments that are involved and they're usually tender to palpation. If they've sprained uh, those ligaments in the ankle, uh, more ligaments involved is the higher grade sprain potentially. Um, and then trying to get an idea of ankle stability. Um, so like an anterior drawer test can give you a good idea of the eight, the function of the ATFL. And if they've ruptured their ATFL because they have chronic, um, chronic ankle sprains, they may have pretty, pretty good difficulty, you know, stabilizing the ankle and, and some proprioception deficits as well. Um, so getting a good idea of, of where they are in terms of ankle and foot function early on can, can help. Um, and then I think we also know that potentially with chronic ankle sprains, you start to lose the function of the perineals to stabilize the ankle laterally. Um, so trying to, if they're having subluxation, you may want to be careful, but um, trying to pick exercises that, uh, engage the perineals and in, when they're doing heel raises, make sure they're not flying into to inversion of the foot or calcaneal inversion um, and trying to keep them relatively neutral, um, I think can be helpful to strengthen the perineals and, and hopefully help with the subluxation as well. I like that. I think that's a good point. I, th I think it's super, super important to make sure that you have as thorough of a diagnosis and, you know, like, like Mike said, kind of like identifying how much instability do they have, not just that it, it sprains frequently, but how much instability do they have? How many ligaments are involved? Because that's going to really give you probably some tidbits on prognosis, like how, how well this is going to go, but also kind of like give you some ideas on the severity of it. So um, it's a lot of strength, right? It's a lot of dynamic stability. It's a lot of neuromuscular control. It's about getting those perineals to be able to, to um, you know, to function and to make sure they're stabilizing here. And that's hard at the ankle, right? Because you have your whole body and your, all your momentum, right? Creating such huge torques at the ankle joint during functional movements, right? That this isn't as simple as like saying like, well, get your muscles super strong. So that way they can support the ankle. Well, so sometimes that that's not even enough. That's why we sprain our ankle so much because the force of the body 
um, you know, with that long lever all the way down to the foot is causing a lot of, you know, issues with them. So these are tough ones in there. Um, any, and would anybody do anything else treatment wise? I mean, obviously there's a bunch of external stuff we can do, but like, like anything else anybody would want to jump in and, and do? Yeah, I think that is a situation. I think we see this a lot in the ankle and other sports, but I think we're we're pretty good at chronically underloading the ankle in the PT world. I think like four way Theraband ankles are like you know everyone's doing those, but after that we're like, all right, let's do some Eric pad stuff, and uh, I think we're good. You know, like I think that's just really really under preparing the amount of force that's going to go through the ankle, and so I think every condition that we used to think maybe we were good with, we want to try to load a little bit more than we are. So like direct ankle strengthening is like very very important. And I think. Sometimes like obviously seating calf raises, standing calf raises, stuff like that are important, but like just really directly loading the perineals. If this is obviously not a surgical candidate, uh, candidate like a brunchroom procedure or their ATFL and CFL are all, all like intact stability wise. But yeah, just like, you know, sitting with a, a you know, a, a band around your ankles and doing really heavy kind of hypertrophy uh, eversion, you know, stuff like that or posterior tib strengthening like heel raises with a ball between your heels. I think a lot of times we're just not great at loading, you know, some of the people that I work with gymnastics wise have like really bad chronic ankle sprains, but like doing heavy, high load eccentrics with like, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 pound kettlebells on their knees in a deficit riser, you know, along with that and some other stuff makes them feel better because like you said, you're tightening up some of that musculature and you're giving them some like high load stress. So yeah, I think that just, you know, along with really good instability training and balance stuff and all that stuff's good, like just single leg exercises, step ups and RDLs and lateral Cossack squats along with direct ankle strengthening, like goes a long way for these people. I, I like that. And you're, I think you're right. We do a lot of like four-way TheraBand and AirX pads and then they're doing great and their pain's gone. They're like, all right, let's start running. Right. And that's, that's like a big like thing we do like in PT, but man, getting through a, you know, a strength training program and, and actually being active with that. I think, I think that's phenomenal advice, Dave. And I really think that's the key. I mean, if you, if you get them that far, you know, in the, in the progression, it's, it's, I think that's the difference with recurring ankle sprains. Anytime we have a recurring injury in my mind, I always just wonder, did we load them? enough right to in our rehab progression before they return but um what else dan yeah one thing i was going to say is that if you've got like especially recurrent ankle sprains you probably have a lot of laxity in certain places the ankle Um, but one of the things we know happens is we tend to lose dorsiflexion just because you do have some scar some synovium gets caught uh, within the joint so you lose the dorsiflexion and for a lot of athletes that's challenging because you need that for a sport i work with a lot of people that go into a deep squat all the time um, so if they're lacking that mobility it causes a bunch of issues up the chain can kind of hurt their performance so i will say that you know make sure you stabilize thing this thing as much as possible but make sure there's no gross mobility limitation and work on some of those if they you know are present Nice, nice. And then I guess I'll just wrap it up with the obvious, right? Don't be afraid to externally support this. And, you know, depending on the severity of this, especially with like recurring, um, like subluxations of the perineal tendons, right? Um, um, don't be afraid. External support is huge. I mean, I have plenty of people. I know professional athletes, you know, baseball players that sprain their ankle a bunch of times in high school basketball, and they still stabilize their their ankle, right? So there's numerous ways to do that. I, I personally don't think that by wearing like a ankle brace or an ankle stability thing these things aren't perfect like a lace-up or something i'm not talking about like an aso right i'm talking about like like something you'd wear functionally in sports right those i don't think 
you wearing that in your sport is going to cause long-term problems. If you wore it all day, then yes, you're relying on the external support. You're not developing this, the stability of the neuromuscular control yourself, but to perform your sport and just make sure that something silly doesn't happen with a quick change of direction or uncertain thing. And you roll your ankle. Yeah. I think we know for you, if you roll your ankle a little bit, that might bang the bone immediately because you have instability and then you're flared up and you're annoyed and you're losing some time in your sport. So we don't want to do that. So, so, so keep that in mind as well. I don't think it's a bad thing to just say like, you know, I'm playing my sport and I don't want to focus on this. I want to make sure I'm okay. I've strengthened it a bunch. I got my motion back. Uh, I've done a ton of neuromuscular control, but I'm still going to put this lace up on when I play because I don't want to miss time. I don't think that's a bad strategy from the sports medicine aspect of it. Make sense? So awesome. Great question. I like it, Josh. Good luck with that. Uh, if you have questions like Josh, head to micron.com, click on that podcast link and fill out the form to ask us a question. But more importantly, please, please, please subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you listen to your podcast on, please subscribe, rate and review us, and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks again. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeRinald.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.